teaching his closest disciples. In Mark 4, 10 to 12, he had said to his followers, namely his followers, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But on the other hand, for those outside, everything is in parables. Now further, Jesus' parables demonstrate the manner of his kingdom. Right? God's kingdom is present today in such a way that those with faith to see the Savior perceive the kingdom and its value. But those outside of the kingdom fail to recognize it for the treasure that it is. The, the parables become clear to Christ's disciples, but they remain a mystery to those outside. And so too his kingdom itself becomes clear to those who trust in him, but appears weird, obnoxious, not that valuable to those who reject him. In Mark 4, 21 to 25, where our focus is today, the parable of the light and the measures shows the purpose, value, and demand for response concerning the arrival of God's kingdom in Christ's own ministry. Jesus here teaches us about the present and the future prospects for his kingdom. So our main point is that Christ has come to reveal and to multiply his blessings to all who receive him. Christ has come to reveal and to multiply his blessings to all who receive him. And we're going to think about this together in three points. The lamp is lit, the lamp is lifted, and the lamp is luminous. First, let's think together about how the lamp is lit. Mark groups together this larger block of parables to show how Christ responded in judgment to the religious leaders who rejected him, as we saw last time, right? That the religious leaders had hearts so hard to the truth that in Mark 3, they had accused Jesus of working for the devil, even though they recognized full well that he was doing God's works. And because of their hardness of hearts to this degree, Jesus acted in judgment upon them by teaching in parables, veiling his message to all but those who had the ears of faith. We're more familiar with these parables, and and we have the explanations, but you can see how if, if Jesus just showed up and said the parable, it would be a little bit confusing. We might easily think as we as we read through that this whole section of parables that the series of them well they're they're somewhat disconnected in the point that each one of them makes there is however i think good reason to see them at least circling the same issues if not building on one another 
It's clear as you work successively through them that they all at least concern the secret of the kingdom of God, showing the manner in which God's kingdom is present in the world today. Now in the parable of the sower last time we learned how God's kingdom is present in the world in a, in a manner of scattering seed but not yet harvesting its fruit. The fruits aren't yet obvious because we're still waiting to see if the seeds we plant are choked out or produce 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold crops. So now is not the age of knowing, not the age of knowing the harvest, but the age of planting the seed. Now in Jesus' second parable here in, in this grouping, we learn that God's kingdom is not veiled completely or forever. So let's read verses 21 to 23. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And so this parable adds... I guess a bit of a caveat to the parable of the sower. Just because the kingdom of God is growing outside of our sight, like seeds sprouting beneath the soil, well, that does not mean that it is not growing at all. We just have to know how to perceive it. One of my... Dear friend, just to get, give an example of sorts, one of my dear friends, uh, his name is Mihai Korcia. He's a pastor in Bucharest, Romania. Uh, and Mihai is from Romania, came over uh, to seminary uh, to get a reformed education, and we were in seminary together. And then he went back to his home country to, to plant a church. And I've been out to, to preach for him twice. Now, the thing is, if, if you were to walk around Bucharest, you see buildings that still look just like they did under communism. Right? The, the palace of, of parliament looks basically the same as the, as the day when Romania revolted to overthrow Nicolae Ceausescu in, back in 89. One thing you would not guess by looking at uh, the things around this city, by looking at its features, by, by taking in just the way you might get things off the surface... You, you would not guess that there's a small but growing body of believers who hold to the Reformed faith. And yet, the thing is, if you know where to look, you will find that little outpost of, of the kingdom amidst a city that would never suggest such a thing by its look. And so even though the kingdom of God is secret... <laughs> in that it's perceived only by those who, who can see it by faith. This kingdom is like a lamp that came into the world for the purpose of shining. For the purpose of shining, like a black light shines brightest against ultraviolet ink, 
So the lamp of God's kingdom reflects its full brightness when shining against faith. The lamp of the kingdom of God in this age shines more like a political cartoon than Garfield the cat. You you have to have the right insight, namely the insight of of spirit-wrought faith to see the beams off this lamp. And so, Christian, we find good hope in how the light of God's kingdom is shining. Lamps are meant to give as much light as possible, not to be hidden from all view. And so, when it comes to God's kingdom, the lamp is lit, even though not everyone's eyes are working well enough to perceive it. And that brings us to our second point. The lamp is lifted. I think that Jesus' parable of the lamp might have been hard for his disciples to stomach, since they might have easily thought that the light wasn't really shining very well, given how strident the opposition to Jesus was. Indeed, today we might be tempted to think that the light of God's kingdom shines properly only if it achieves the goals that we set for it. And so my, my friend uh, David Strain, who pastors in Jackson, Mississippi, says that this, this parable of the light taught Jesus' disciples to be patient. And I would add that, well, it teaches us the same. Patience. The parable of the measures helps us to see this very point, if we read verses 24 and 25. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The contrast between how, back in verse 23, uh, Jesus had just said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then now here in verse 24, he commands them, pay attention to what you hear, is striking. How is it that he can presume to hold them accountable to understand what they hear if he just conceded that only those with the right sort of ears can possibly hear? And the answer is, of course, that these parables demand a a right response. The response of faith. Right? And that right response makes right use of what Jesus taught. The measure in which we use Jesus' teaching with faith, well, receives a full measure back. And so the one who has the kingdom by faith will one day... Receive the kingdom and its blessings by sight. The harvest is in front of us, even if we don't see it now. And so we learn patience. When I was a boy, uh, 
when I would go see my, my dad, he would get me these, these toy alligators. Uh, and in the package, it was maybe, they were made of foam, sort of, uh, and they were maybe two inches long or so in the package. And if you dropped it in a bathtub full of water, though, it would grow over time to about four feet long. And it would, it would have been easy to believe that, that there's no way that a, that a two-inch foam alligator could possibly become so big. That's not the way things work, right? But if you follow the directions, believe what you're told, if you, and then you wait and have the patience, well, then the effects do become obvious. And so it is with the kingdom of God. We wish deeply, I think, that God's kingdom would be outward and obvious in this age. Overturning all the ungodliness and hurt that we see in the world. And the thing is, right now, God's kingdom comes in seed form. It's more like the two-inch alligator. Receiving the kingdom in faith means that we, we trust that whatever things look like, God's kingdom will have the ultimate victory promised. A, a, a lit lamp sitting on the ground casts a short beam of light. It doesn't go very far. And it might be easy to ignore this sort of lamp because why would we bother with such a lamp that, that provides so little light? But if we pick up the same lamp and lift it high into the air, well, its beams shoot all the further. Faith is the way that we lift the lamp and put it on a stand. Even though that we might think from a worldly perspective, at the human level, we might perceive that the beams of light seem weak. Faith accepts the lamp despite appearances as the source of light that will light all things. In God's kingdom, the lamp is lifted when we believe the promises of Christ, no matter how small the world may see their potential. That brings us to our final point. That the lamp is luminous. It's shining. Now, if we, if we kind of step back, we, we've been sort of in the details, in the weeds of this parable of the lamp and the measures and trying to get our head around what it teaches and what it summons us, how it, how it summons us to respond. And if we, if we step back, we can frame this whole parable in more fundamental perspective. Now, there in verse 21, the, the ESV, uh, as most English versions, reads, is a lamp brought? Is a lamp brought? It's passive, somebody seems to be carrying this. But interestingly, in the original Greek, Christ's question is, does the lamp come? Not is a lamp brought, but does the lamp come? Now, translators make it read like a lamp being carried because they sense a problem that would be clear to us all, that if you are in a situation where your house lamps are walking around the room on their own, well, there is a serious problem. 
And so they, they try to smooth this out to something more obvious. But I think that we can sort out this difficulty by recognizing how the parable isn't general, but is specific. The question is not about what some generic lamp does, but about the lamp coming. John 1, 9-13 The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming. Same verse, or sorry, same verb as Mark 4.21. The light was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. A light that came and wasn't seen. Hmm. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John tells us which light, which lamp, comes by its own power. And that light is Christ. Christ is the lamp who comes into the world, comes on its own. John also highlighted how even though this light came into the world, shining brightly enough that Uh, to be the light that enlightens everyone, still some did not see the light. They rejected him. In other words, the light was hidden from some and yet had the purpose of coming into the world to make all those who do know him into the children of God. Like Jesus teaches us in Mark 4. And in his parable of the Lamp, In Mark's gospel, Jesus is talking about himself. He he wasn't worried about some, you know, general principle that people light lamps to shine light. He meant that he is the lamp coming to shine divine light into sinful darkness. Isaiah 9 verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them light shined. And all this again is planted in seeing by faith. The lamp, Jesus Christ, is luminous. The lamp is shining. It is on. It is shining in the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's love, acceptance, and restoration is beaming all around And it is shining in the message of Jesus Christ as the Savior who lived, died, and rose to bring salvation to his people. Just like since Isaiah's prophecy and and since the apostles walked with Jesus and, and wrote their gospels, not everyone has eyes to see this lamp. Some people mistake the lamp for an antique paperweight. Thinking that Christ no longer has usefulness in our modern enlightened age. They think the light comes from somewhere else. From our own selfish hearts or human reason. Rather than from God speaking his truth to us. 
leaving it to us in his word. Sometimes believers get more distracted by what lies outside the lamp's field of light than fixated on the light itself. We slip into thinking that the light came to to give light so that we can find our way to the things we want so that it would direct our steps to what we wish it would give us. But the lamp did not come to indulge us in our worldly pursuits. The lamp came, in fact, to draw us to himself because the lamp is Jesus Christ. We need not... We need to be continually drawn to the lamp because we hardly ever stand well in the center of the light's illumination. We wander to its fringes, even beyond. We, it's more like, rather than standing smack dab in the center of the field of light, we are lost at sea surrounded by darkness and danger, needing to keep our eyes fixed on the lighthouse to get back to safety. We need to approach the light, to go to the light, not assume that we're always standing next to it. We need our eyes fixed by faith on the lamp itself, Jesus Christ. We need each week and every day to recalibrate our course back to Christ. Jesus taught his disciples patience with, by using these parables. Right? The full measure of blessing has not yet been measured to us. But those who have the measure of faith in this age will receive the measure of resurrection bodies raised to glory to live in peace with God forever at the last day. It may frustrate us to live in a world where so many in the culture around us ignore the light, run straight into the darkness. Or pretend that the lamp is not even real. We may struggle in an age where the effects of sin wreck our minds and bodies. And as we have restoration with God, we don't feel it in our bones. But Christ came as the lamp to shine into darkness. Someday... Even if at the end of all days, everyone will see the light. Everyone will see that Jesus Christ is Lord. And until then, we need to see that we are pilgrims who are not home, but have a task of scattering seeds of the gospel as we traverse this land. If you see, if you see Christ As Lord and Savior today, God has shown you the secret of his kingdom. We rejoice to know that we indeed have instruction, have direction how to find our way home. We have the path, our route to safety. 
we look to Jesus, the crucified and risen Savior who covers all our sins. We look to him to guide our way, knowing that as we traverse the path lit by Christ, we will find, we will find safe harbor, rest in the Lord, and the certainty of a bright future. Let us pray. Father God, we, we know that Christ came to bring his kingdom. And we know that he came as a light comes to shine. And yet we know that not all see it in this age. And we pray that you would make sure that we never lose sight of the lamp that is Christ. This light that gives light in darkness in the fullest sense Casting out the penalty and power of our sin in the person and work of Jesus. And provides the way forward. We so easily stumble. Undoubtedly, there are some here who have temptations sitting heavy upon their hearts even this morning. Who wish that they could have just that one thing that might make them happy. And yet we know, Lord, that true joy, fullest joy, doesn't harvest in this age, but is for the age to come. Teach us patience, O Lord. Help us to know what it means to wait and to rest, leaning upon your mercy to give us satisfaction in a world that is so disappointing. Help us as we keep our eyes fixed on the light that we might keep a straight course to Jesus. That we might pursue him without wavering and know his help along the way. We ask it in his name for his sake. Amen.